As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, 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 now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show that takes a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black void of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve, and with me, he's a man who's known as the president of the Baywatch Knights fan club. It's... It's uh, Yehel. How are you doing, Steve? Yes, uh, President. I was almost going to say President and a client, but uh, that's no. Oh, dang it! I was going to say uh, that. No, that makes sense. <laughs> it's classic. It's a classic reference that people who are our age will still get to this very day. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. Uh, Diamond Teague is looking for me as we speak for being president of the Baywatch nightclub. Uh, <laughs> Dang. <laughs> that's the uh, FBI uh, character. I, I don't remember if he's in the FBI exactly or what. what right, he's a, he's a shady honesty, but... government type, and uh, we're going to be yeah. dealing a lot with those shady government types uh, in this uh, episode <laughs> of Baywatch Nights. Uh, why why are we returning to the world of Baywatch Nights? You hell, we already did one. We already did one episode. I think it was um, it was episode two, the Beast. We talked about it all the way back in episode 58 of Obscurity Now. Why, why are we talking about Baywatch Nights again? Well, I know back then we talked about covering it again. Um, and uh, I, 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 well, I know why we're, the real reason why we're doing it, but it was always in the cards and I really enjoyed, I haven't seen every episode of season two of Baywatch Nights, but after we um, did that one episode, I did go back and watch several episodes of Baywatch Night mm -hmm. of my own volition. As did uh, I, as I did I. I. Mm -hmm. I think I've watched about half of them. Uh, sometimes I just can't find them. Right. Uh, but the one that we're uh, watching to, or discussing today, I texted you yesterday. I'm like, I've watched this one already, <laughs> but I'm still rewatching it just because I really uh, enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited, Steve, to uh, to discuss our, our good friend, BN. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and uh, the, this episode is called uh, The Strike, Season 2, Episode 4. Before we spoil the heck out of it, you can go watch it on YouTube. This one is available on YouTube in a very uh, pristine transfer, if I do say so myself. Um, Surprisingly decent quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're just big fans of David Hasselhoff in general. So if you can't get enough of the Hoff, aside from our previous Baywatch Nights, you can also check out our review of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the best version of Nick Fury out there, I say. Uh, but uh, that's debatable, I suppose. So yeah, this episode it premiered October 20th, 1996. And here is a synopsis in case you missed it. All right. During a normal day at Baywatch, Mitch rescues a young man named Jake from drowning. And he soon gets involved in a complex X-Files type plotline where Jake has a connection with the Roswell UFO incident from the 1940s. I think it's pretty interesting that they actually put X-Files in the synopsis. It's like, eh, we're just blatantly ripping them off. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just go with it. 
that might have been written like uh, after the fact, sure. maybe by somebody yeah. for IMDb, but, but let's mm-hmm. pretend it wasn't. Sure, yeah. And this was uh, directed by one David W. Hager. He's done six episodes of Baywatch, three episodes of Baywatch Nights, and uh, some TV show called Wildfire Deep Diver. And uh, he's credited with creating the slow motion montages in Baywatch. So I'm sure a lot of uh, young men from the 90s are thanking him for that. Uh, and uh, then we've got uh, the writer here, uh, one Michael Sloan, um, who's uh, pretty interesting. He's had quite the career in TV. Um, are you aware of the uh, Equalizer movie that's coming out next week, Equalizer 3? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just saw uh, the commercial for it for the first time uh, a, a day ago. I didn't realize that um, it was still a thing. Yes, and uh, this was – he created it. He created the Equalizer. Uh, and, it, you know, at first it was a show, like, back in the 80s that starred, like, a older British man. I forget his name. But then, you know, they've got the uh, Queen Latifah remake TV show and the Denzel mm-hmm. Watch. So this guy's he's collecting checks left and right is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, he's also uh, written scripts for Battlestar Galactica, the original. Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, which we have to cover someday. And uh, have you ever seen that... That trailer that keeps popping up on TikTok for the show called The Master? Uh, no, I have not. It's like a 70s kung fu cop thing. It looks hilarious. We uh, we have to cover it someday. But um, enough of that. Uh, who are some of the thespians who participated in Baywatch Nights uh, episode four? Well, we've covered... We've covered Baywatch Nights before, and in this particular episode, a lot of the main cast isn't on here. So I'm going to gloss over some of these folks. But um, mm-hmm. I do want to first thank Smoke Monster. He's in the chat. Uh, he's always at, well, most of our episodes. Appreciate you joining live. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, we have, of course, David Hasselhoff. I think everybody knows David Hasselhoff, mm-hmm. Knight, Knight Rider, Baywatch, Baywatch Nights, a bunch of other things. Nick Fury, uh, German singing career, German singer extraordinaire, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Kraut Rock. Uh, uh, I see. Oh, God. Uh, then we've got Angie Harmon, uh, which I think we covered her in the last episode as well. Probably better known from Law and Order and Rizzoli, Rizzoli and Isles. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got uh, – so not in this episode is Donna DeRico and Eddie – I can't remember how to say his last name. Sobrian or Sobrian, uh, something c- like that. Cybernarian. Cyberforce. <laughs> Cyberforce. Oh, yes, yes. He's named after the Image comic book from the yeah. 90s. Um, we've got uh, Dorian Gregory playing Diamond Teague. He's mm-hmm. the gentleman who works with uh, some government organization. I, I want to say Diamond Dallas Teague. <laughs> Almost like the WCW wrestler. Yeah. Um, and then for our guest stars, um, we really kind of have two main ones. Uh, we have Alan Shaw, who plays Porter. Mm-hmm. He's sort of uh, one of the baddies. In the, well, not sort of. He is one of the baddies in the episode. And then we've got uh, the main guest star, who uh, really, it's this episode is mostly uh, this guest star and David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Sean, uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Blo- Steve, help me. Sean. It, wait, wait, I'm hearing it echoing in my skull like you... in my brain it's blodgett he's telling me his name is sean blodgett where sean do i know blodgett. that name why sean do i was... did you hear that what huh steven what it's jake jake, it's jake i'm back <laughs> oh my god I'm back right now are you i've come back i've son where are you son yeah i've, <laughs> I've turned into energy <laughs> that's what i did at the end of the episode i became light <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my God, is this actually Sean Blodgett, the guy who played Jake in season two, episode four of Baywatch Nights, The Strike? Yes, indeed. What's up? How are you guys doing? What is going on? Oh, oh wow. What is going on? Is, uh, is this is insane? Okay, okay. We've, we've got to go to the special guest of Skiratron. So I'm going to run the uh, feature presentation bumper, and then we'll see everyone on the other side. All right, here we go. So exciting. Here we go. Welcome to your feature presentation. All right, there he is. Wow, it looks like he hasn't aged a day. You really are an alien. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that, that's the greatest compliment. Great way to start. That's it. That's the show, everybody. <laughs> well, we treat our guests here at Obscurity Now. Uh, the second one ever. Big round of applause from our uh, live stream. I'll assume they're doing it. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> they're at yeah. home like two weeks so tell everyone exactly <laughs> who you are and what you do uh well my name is sean blodgett uh i'm an actor and a producer uh i've worked in the entertainment industry my entire adult life uh as both of those things uh, my main work right now is mostly as a media producer uh, i do everything from film production to uh, some smaller television stuff to lots of independent, lots of marketing and advertising. Uh, I still get to act from time to time. Uh, and uh, I, I guess that's the, the long and short of it. I've got a beautiful wife and two kids, live in Mission Viejo, California, and super grateful to be here. And talk about this, this item from like yesteryear of my life. I mean, thank you so much for even bringing it up as a topic of conversation, because I'm pretty sure it had already been decided <laughs> that it was obscure. So. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, so how did you get into the biz? How did you get into acting? Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's such a big question. I mean, okay, so I started officially falling in love with acting when I was about 15. I did my very first show, which was a musical. Uh, of course, I did it because there was a girl that was like, oh, you should audition for the show. And I was like, yes, I should. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up auditioning. And I, I, I could sing, but I was like, do I say, I don't know. I pulled like somewhere over the rainbow. I ha happened to have the sheet music auditioned, got the, the job. It was like a, a, a college mm -hmm. production of gypsy. Uh, she ended up not doing the show. Um, but I ended up spending the summer falling oh, nice. in love with theater. Uh, I, I just absolutely became obsessed with it up until that time. I was like a, a moderate student, not great. Uh, didn't play sports. I was a dork. Um, you know, all of that same stuff that most, there's a lot of actors mm -hmm. that have that same story. Um, and, uh, but I didn't really know where I fit in and, and this was the first time I felt like I fit in. And so I spent the next two years at that point, I would think I was a freshman in high school. It was a college production. And I found out when I got like my transcripts that like I had gotten high school credit for this like college thing that I had done. And I was like, well, I should graduate <laughs> early then and get out of here. I think I know what I want to do. So I actually, so which is funny, so I ended up doing all of that, and oddly enough, I, I said in my college newspaper that I was going to be going to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts mm -hmm. to study acting. Um, I had not applied, nor nor had I auditioned, and um, and so that was funny, and then, of course, I did apply that summer, nice. and I did get in, and so I did that. I did the first year at the Academy, and then I was invited back to do the second year um, at the Academy, and uh, I graduated from there. And uh, I went on to start my official acting 
career. So, I mean, that's the short version. Which no, was no, too hey, long. that's that's what we love to hear. Um, that was quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have gone on for hours, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I'm sure we're all yeah. dying to know how did you get the gig on Baywatch Nights? I was a young, fresh, new actor. Uh, I had a, a manager that was fantastic uh their, their name was gold levin talent i think the company is still around although it's owned by other people now uh but the two people who ran it uh originally uh they're they're also actors too mm-hmm. um and they you know are out and about doing things now um but uh at the time they were you know pitching people and doing all that stuff so i was a I looked young. I was 19. Uh, I was a trained actor and I was hungry. I was ready to get out there and do stuff. And they were, they were paramount in especially the beginning of my career. And when I, you know, the more I look back, the more gratitude I have for all the work they did because it was just, I mean, I didn't have any credits other than what I did at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and then a bunch of like community theater before that. So that, that was like all I had to, to share. Um, they got me my first television gig, um, or at least the audition for it, which was Power Rangers, nice. the, the original wow. Power Rangers. Nice. Um, I still remember the, the line. It, I, I had to raise my hand and say, if the Power Rangers thinks school is cool, then so do I. <laughs> <That was> my... <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I was with them. They did a good job of helping me build my career. I mean, uh, I had said that I wanted – originally, I, I, you know, I started my career – with a focus on musical theater. Yeah. Uh, I was a singer and actor, not the greatest dancer, mm-hmm. especially in auditions. I was one of those dancers that was like, if you give me a day, I could rock this out. But they're like, and a five, six, seven, eight. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, Sadly, um, I, I tried a was, few uh, dance auditions at in Disney world and yeah, that's how it is. They don't give you a day to figure it out. <laughs> No, it's it's less than it's less than 30 seconds. And you're like, well, that was fun, everybody. I'll be back. <laughs> but I did do um, I, I did get my equity card uh, with them doing a show up in Sacramento at the Sacramento Music Circus called She Loves Me. And um, so I was very excited. You know, so the career is just kind of progressing. And like I like I said, I was young and I, young, I looked young and I was trained. So mm-hmm. I was getting good opportunities, even though I didn't have a, a, a lot of resume. Mm-hmm. Um and so this came in. Um, I, I want to mention that that one of the things they used to do, this is, of course, back in the day when you had to stuff envelopes with actors' headshots. So the breakdowns, you know, the breakdowns would come out in the morning to all the agents and managers, mm-hmm. and they'd go through the breakdowns. And then by like about 1.30, 2 o'clock, they had to have all those envelopes stuffed and ready to go for the messengers to bring all of the headshots to all of the casting directors in town that were casting things. Mm-hmm. So that was how things kind of moved along. One of the things they were, my managers were notorious for was putting post-it notes on like actors' headshots, like perfect for this role, just graduated, just did this show, you know, all this stuff. Mm. So I don't even know what they did for the pitch for this, but they got me in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was because I had just um, done my first SAG gig. Mm -hmm. Um, These were the days before it was, uh, it was SAG after it was just SAG. And uh, my very, very first SAG gig was on a show with Seal Award called uh, Sisters. Okay. Um, and I had oh, a scene. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And I had a scene with Robert Klein, and he was awesome. And I and I was such an idiot, dumb young kid. I wish I would have like he took me to lunch, and I just didn't even know what to say. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I wish I would have asked more questions. But um, anyway, awesome guy. So I think that that was probably the pitch. Like, hey, just did this, da da da, whatever. 
Um, so when you Taft Hartley into SAG, you can you can not join right away. But then once you do your second job, you become a must join. And Baywatch Nights was my was my must join. I had to once I booked it, it was like within 24 hours, I had to go down and like, you know, pay the money and like, do oh, the wow. Thing. Yeah. So it was so it was the whole oh, thing. So, so this, anyway, this got your SAG card. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was my official getting my SAG card show, which was awesome. And uh, so I went in for the audition for um, I, I want to make sure I get there. Susan Glicksman and Fern Orenstein, which these ladies were awesome. They were fantastic casting directors. Um, so, you know, I got the sides. Um, this was the day of for, for people who are out there who are also actors may remember uh, a company called Showfax. You had to, you know, your, your agent or manager would call you be like, you get the you get the sides through Showfax. So you call up Showfax and. And then you have to pay for the sides to be faxed <laughs> to you. Oh, wow, what a scam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I suppose you could go to the casting office and pick it up. If, you know, it's all the way across town, all that stuff, whatever. Anyway, so I got the role. And, you know, I, I just approached everything the way I approached everything, which was I would break it down like any other script. I mean, you know, I got this. It was, it was a cool scene. It was actually the scene – um, where he were running in the hallway and he's like, you got to tell me what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I can't tell you. And he's like, and he pushed me up the wall. And he's like, tell me, you know, it, it was that scene. Mm -hmm. That was the audition scene where I'd say I'm from up there, you know, and all that stuff. Um, so I went in and, uh, uh, you know, I, I auditioned with the scene and, you know, this was the day, you know, nowadays everybody's doing everything like online, you know, or, or you're, you're shooting it at home or whatever, but you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's a whole different experience when you're in a room you're waiting outside of a room and you go in and there's a couple of desks with, you know, two powerful women behind <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, and you start, you know, you do your thing, you try to be professional, just, you know, get in and get out. Um, and so I went in and I, you know, I did my thing. I made my choices. I made my objectives and, you know, I went for it. And, and, uh, and then I got the call back. And I remember for the call back, they had specifically asked me to – um, I think they wanted me to wear the same thing I had worn. I think I just wore something very nondescript. And they were like, can you put some some lighter makeup on your face? Make yourself look mm -hmm. really, really pale. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, why not? Um, of course, being a theater theater guy, I had the, I had the theater makeup. I was like, yeah, An excuse to wear makeup, finally. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. So, um, so I did it, and I mean – I went in the room and, and callbacks are a whole – they're a whole other level of, of tension and stress because you're going in a room um, and, and you know callbacks, especially during that time, would vary from maybe you're going to have the producer and the casting director there. Maybe you're going to have the director of the episode and the producer. Maybe you're going to have a room full of people. I mean I remember when mm -hmm. I did a callback for – I did an episode of Boston Legal and – uh, the callback for that. I think they invited the crew. I mean, I, th I think it was like everybody and their grandmother was in the room for that callback. Um, but but anyway, for this one, there was about two or three people in the room, one of them being David Hagar, the director. And uh, I think I remember I did it the first time. He might have given me a little bit of a direction, and I did it again. And I remember feeling very, very good about the audition. You know, you, you go in and you just kind of do your work and you feel good about what you do and you have to kind of walk away and i think it's easier to walk away whether or not you book it because that's not necessarily right. in your hands but it's mm -hmm. easier to walk away when you feel like you went in and you did the work that you you wanted to deliver and i felt like i did the work i wanted to deliver and and luckily that resulted in me 
getting the role. Um, now I found out later um, that there there was a little tension about me getting the role um, because uh, Mr. Hasselhoff wanted someone younger, um, which I can totally kind of see in terms of the way the script's written. I could mm -hmm. see the argument. And there's actually quite a lot of times I, I rewatched it recently again, and I was like, there's quite a few times where he's kind of got me by the arm and we're running along, and I'm like, the kid's got to be about 14, 15. I think, I think he knows the to way, run next to you. You know, <laughs> you know. I I was gonna ask you like, what age is the you know character of Jake supposed to be in the script? Because yeah, you're right. At times the script uh, has Hasselhoff treating you like you're ten or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, you certainly look young. You you certainly pass for like a teenager. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, sometimes he's acting like you're a literal child. <laughs> yeah, right. even looking back on it, I was like, whoa, there's a couple of, sorry, it's sorry, okay. Steve. I, I was going to say the way, I mean, it, and it's, I think it's shown best the way he talks to you when, you know, he, he turns his head and sees that you're awkwardly staring at him in the hospital, like on the bed next to him. And he's like, He's like, hey, hey guy, how, how you doing? You feeling all right there, buddy? You know, maybe not those exact words, but yeah. he sounds like a stepdad yeah, it, trying to like bond with his stepson for the first time, and it's like in your <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very genteel. Mm -hmm. It's very genteel. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, but I mean, you know, I will say this: it's. I, you know, looking at that script, I was actually trying to find. I, I usually kept all of my scripts and stuff from that time, and I was trying to find it in the oh. garage. I couldn't find it, but 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 you know, thinking about you know the writing of that script and what was going on at that time. I mean, I'm sure you guys remember. I mean, you mentioned X Files. I mean, that was they, they didn't keep that hidden. I mean, X Files was the hot mm -hmm. thing during that time, and this was like. This is Baywatch meets X Files. I'm pretty sure that was yep. the entire pitch in the network going, "Great, how do we? Let's get it going." You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so yeah, they definitely doubled down on all of that, of course, especially in this episode. And and quite frankly, I mean, they spent some money on the episode. I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's some effects. That, I mean, when I was shooting it, there was I, I mean, certainly for a young actor having his first guest star experience on on television, having this huge role was like, uh, you know, now I had come from because I had come from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and I had done some big stuff there. You know, I, I played Buddy Lehman in The Diviners, which anybody who knows that shows, it's a very intense dramatic show. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I wasn't uh, not used to playing a, a bigger role. And I, at the time, I don't even think it hit me that, that it was as big as, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this role and I'm gonna do this thing. And then later on, you're like, oh crap, that was big because and we should probably say this later, but of course, because as Hollywood loves to do, you do this amazing thing. You're like, holy crap, this is my career. This is where we're going. All right, let's keep it going. And the next week you're auditioning for, here's your paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you have a very substantial role. Um, you know, I, I would say like 90% of the episode is either you or Hasselhoff, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the most part with a Angie Harmon has a little bit and uh, Teague has like a little bit of a side B plot, but I mean, they're they're barely in the episode compared to the uh, screen time and dialogue that you and Hasselhoff get. Um, I I was curious how how many days was the shoot? If memory serves, I mean, it was sort of just the standard because I think they were doing one episode a week, so it was a, you know it was a okay, week long. I yeah, I, yeah, I was hired for the week, which was amazing. Yeah, it was like, oh my god. Yeah. 
And like you said, though, they, they definitely put money into it. I mean, there's quite a few explosions. Um, there's a car that gets blown up. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, on location stuff yeah, I, that, that I saw shot. There was a, you had to do a lot of running. Did you have to do like a lot of running or <laughs> I did, I did a fair amount, but I will say this, the, the trash can scene where, where Porter for some reason decides to move oh, a trash can, that. So oh, that's, yeah. which I think is hilarious. It's just like, we're looking at it. It's like, like kind of starts shaking and then it goes, um, but, uh, they actually had a stunt man for me. It was nice. my first time having a stunt man. So there was a there was a guy who who did that running. So if you watch, actually, there's a shot. If you watch that moment, you can kind of tell it's not my face. Uh, it's pretty quick, so you know it, it edits well. But uh, very nice. Yeah. Well, I uh, can set up like the cold open of the episode because I wrote it out here, and then we can just sort of go from there. Is that yeah. sound good to you, Yell? Absolutely, and and I have stories too. So uh, if you want to jump into Great. any of those, I can I can jump into those Absolutely. as well. Steve, so, before yeah. you get started mm-hmm. uh, with the the synopsis, I did want to just if, and if you don't mind, Sean, just mention a few yeah. of your other credits. Uh, you you kind of touched on one of them already, Boston Legal. Great which, show. as a big William Shat, as a big Star Trek fan, I'm very actually. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. It if, was like, pretty. Episode... I'm not gonna lie. It was great being just. I mean, I have the actual scene with him. He was he was in the scene. Uh, I played a reporter and. Uh, it was it was a big production day. I mean, you know, they're coming out of the courthouse and there's all this chaos. And and the and the way the camera move was, I think it was on a dolly. And it's like, you know, it's going down. So it's following them coming out of the courthouse. Then it like pans over to the reporters. And it was like four or five of us like sort of, you know, like, bah, 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 bah. and then it goes to this person, bah, 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 you know, like down the line. Right. And uh, so it was a big day and he was there. I didn't get to talk to him, but he was there. So <laughs> that's hey. For me, that, that would have been uh, like a dream come You've true. You've gotten to work with two TV legends. It was incredible. And, and let me just say that that uh, my experience on that show in particular had a really funny uh, direction moment because, you know, when you when you get co-star work, which is, you know, like five lines or less, you know, uh, I, I learned later on that, you know, co-star especially, a little less with guest stars, but co-star especially – your job is to show up, shut up, hit your mark, do your line, and get right. out of my way so that right. everybody can get home to their families. That's really what, you know. And when you're a younger actor, you think everything is about acting and having this moment to know, oh my God, no, I have to do it again. And they're like, I don't really care. You said, <laughs> where's your pizza? And that's it. You know. Um, so for this sequence, I mean, like I said, it was a big sequence. It was one move with the camera. There's all this stuff happening. And it was fascinating. Um, as you know, we, we did the first take and they've got these things for the flashes that, that are basically, they feel like tiny explosions so, because the, they're like flash, you know, of course back, you know, they were shooting on film or whatever back then. And it's like, you know, doing these things. And the, the woman next to me who was like reporter number two or whatever, she, she had a bigger role in the show just a little bit. And, but, but she was kind of messing up her line. And I just remember that the director was like, co-stars, know your lines. Okay, let's go again. And I was like, oh, my God, let's go. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's it. Anyway. That's an awesome story. Um, so uh, also, what I'm just going to mention a few of them, just kind of the ones from the shows that I remember just from my youth or what, or what have you. But yeah. uh, you're an episode of California Dreams. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> you know. Kind of, uh, I don't think it was ever officially in the um, uh, universe Saved of Saved by the Bell, yeah. but I believe no. it was another Peter Engel show. Yeah. It was another Peter um, Engel show for sure. Yeah, the show's been on U- our USA list High would... for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, U- USA High, uh, The Nine, uh, Desperate Housewives, Mind of Mencia, iCarly, Monk, 
Mad Men, Castle, Parks and Rec. I mean, just, uh, you know, you've ha- have a, had a chance to be on it. And you were on, it says, according to IMDb, three episodes of Monk, actually. Was that like I a, was. Yeah, yep. It was like a reoccurring role? It was recurring, yeah. Role? It was recurring, yeah. Nice. And you know what's funny about that one? Um, I was hired to, you know, be like the the coroner, you know, on on an episode. It was later in the seasons. And, you know, it was a nice – it was a really great scene. It was nice. I was with Tony Shalhoub and, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it was it was great. Nice. And, um, and then later on – I was with a different manager at this time. But, you know, later on, I got this call from the casting director sort of out of the blue. And they were like, hey, we've been trying to contact you. And I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. That sounds great. And And they were like, yeah, we've been trying to contact your manager. I don't know what's going on. I was like, I don't know either. Okay. What's going on? And they're like, hey, we'd like uh, – we have another coroner episode um but it's just like really small B- would you want to do it and i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> you get paid the same for the day like you know it's like yeah of course um so uh, anyway so i did the second episode and i'm really grateful that they did like try to find That's me i don't cool. know what happened with my manager but they did try to find me so i did the second episode and then they kind of felt bad because for whatever reason the way it was covered they ended up not showing me very much even the little bit that i had and they were mm. like, oh, I feel kind of bad. So then they brought me back for a third episode where I had an e- even better scene than the first nice. one, So nice. which was great. So these guys were just fantastic over there. I love them. Mm-hmm. Steve, I know I interrupted your uh, – uh, were you going no, over no. a bit of the story uh, for the for the actual episode we're hey, supposed we're, to be covering? Hey, we're here to talk about Sean and celebrate his body of work. <laughs> Uh, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. And, and Baywatch oh, yeah, nice. yeah. a little bit. Oh, my God. This is uh, overwhelming. Sorry, here we go. <clears throat> You're so great. Thanks to you, It's Hell. a crowded that was very day nice at the beach, which seems to be filled with only attractive women wearing bikinis. Mitch sits upon his lifeguard tower as he scans the beach with the eyes of a hawk, searching for any danger and perhaps another attractive woman or two. When low in the distance by the surf, he spies a young man who seems a tad out of place. The young man, known as Jake, removes his search or his shirt and Mitch cracks a smile remembering a time perhaps when his physique and complexion were lacking just like the young man's the The young man grabs his bodyboard and slowly makes his way out into the water as if it's his first time the sensation of the water hitting his feet overwhelms him and a wave knocks him down luckily Mitch helps him out tells him to rest and he'll give him some pointers later they shake hands and out of nowhere a bolt of lightning strikes between them knocking the two down the the music during that scene is awesome then mitch and the boy awaken in a hospital and we go from there (laughs) one thing i love is first of all nobody else is injured by this lightning strike just the two of you the second the lightning strike hits paramedics like they cut to a shot of like paramedics are coming down they're, they're, there's other lifeguards coming down literally the second and it's just amazing they get there in like less than 30 seconds to you guys and uh, I, I don't know if people are just constantly concerned about mitch uh the character that david hasselhoff plays but like it's so funny that they responded to him being in peril faster than he responded to you 100 percent, 100 percent. and actually you know what's funny that there were a couple of things um that was actually my first day of shooting. I was going to ask you that. Oh, wow. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, and and talk about being slightly overwhelmed as a young actor. Like, you're on Baywatch nights. Now, you know it's not Baywatch. Look, how does somebody like me get on Baywatch, right? 
you cast me as an alien. That's how you get on, right? <laughs> to Stephen's point about my body. Yes, I mean, that's how I get on there. Hey, but I am not judging anyone. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if anything, I'm judging Mitch or maybe uh, the, the screenwriter here. It's just like, I don't know. It's like, why does he find you so humorous? It's like, heh. <laughs> Take a look at this city kid trying to bodyboard for the first time. <laughs> He's totally going to screw it up, and I'm going to have to go in there after toweling off and get myself wet again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think we should mention, too, for the listeners, uh, we're not normally this rude to guests, but Steve and uh, Sean know each other previously. They've worked together. They're friends. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm not, as I said, so we, we, have, we have a repartee as a yeah, future potential guest. You will not be uh, made fun of in this. Matter. I'm not making fun of Sean or his physique. I'm making fun of Baywatch Nights. <laughs> I'm making fun of Baywatch Nights. You're making fun of Jake, the alien. Sure. It was all body acting. That my body was acting that okay. way. Anyway, um, so I, what was interesting, though, I, I do want to say real quick about that scene and showing up that day. Like, you're doing Baywatch nights. You're on the beach right out of the gate. And then you show up and they tell you, not only are we going to put the, the light makeup all over your body for this scene because we want you to look paler. Right, right. You, you should not have any, any hair. So we're going to shave oh. you. Hmm. So they shaved, you know, everything that was showing, obviously, uh, you know, they, with the wow. exception of my head and all that. But yeah, they, they shaved my chest and my legs and all that. Like that was that was right out. Of I like the to think thing. David Hasselhoff did it himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Come here, Sean. <laughs> He's like, I, I need this done right. <laughs> He's like, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do this in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so creepy. I love it. <laughs> Um, the other thing I want to say is the the lightning, to your point, Yehel, the, the lightning bolt moment. So, you know, coming from the theater, yeah, we, we deal with things going off and da, 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 but we get rehearsals. You know, mm. when you shoot stuff for, for film and television, especially stuff that's going to actually be destroyed or blow up, you don't always get a rehearsal of that. Some some stunt, you know, people or, you know, pre-production folks who who – pre-visualize that whole thing. They, they've figured everything out, all, all the physics and all that, how that's going to work. And, and they're just setting it up and doing it. And so when that little explosion went off, we were I, the direction was just, hey, the explosion's going to go off. When it goes off, fall in the water. Nobody said how long to be in the water. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, you know, it's like, fell in the water. And I'll never forget being under the water going, God, how long am I supposed to be under here? <laughs> and you, know, you start giving yourself anxiety, like, oh my God, I gotta get up, I gotta, I gotta breathe, I gotta, you know, anyway, it worked out. Yeah, and you don't want to mess up the shot because who knows yeah, I, right. if they have another explosion set right? that they could do to, to have it go off again. Yeah. Exactly. First day, you're like, I, I don't know. I know this might so. be a little uh, early to ask, but did the shoot seem very like run and gun to you? I mean, did you guys actually like spend time on stuff? Like, how, how did it go? Mm. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I think these are, you know, these are the days of shooting on film mm -hmm. when television was still shot on film. And, um, you know, film is, actual film is expensive sure. uh, to, to, to shoot. So if you can get it in, in one take, you'd much rather get it in one take. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you might do a safety of something if you really feel like whatever. But if it's like... Okay, action, and then cut, and then check the gate. And if the gate's good, 
you know, it's like we're moving on. That's it. Plus, it's TV. So, you know, you it seems like you have a fair amount of time if you're shooting, you know, if, if the script's like whatever, 48, 50 pages, whatever it is, you know, and you're shooting mm-hmm. about eight or 12, you know, eight to 10 pages a day, depending on what that timing is. You know, you're going to you're going to blaze through that pretty quick. But I will say um, I didn't feel rushed. Um, other than, like I said, those moments where it was like I, out of my comfort zone, like I've never done, I'd never done anything like that. I mean, technically, I guess that was kind of a stunt, um, but I'd never done anything like that in, in my life, certainly on camera. So, uh, and when we got to the, the more dialogue driven scenes, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely felt like they allowed us, especially David Hagar, who was awesome director he and i got along really well and and i think he really liked my work which i really appreciated um you know he he was willing to just kind of spend some time and explore some things and you know being a young actor i hadn't done a lot of television i mean i'm used to theater where it's like you have rehearsals and you have all this time to learn lines so i was also still kind of to be honest i was struggling with that uh, the the quickness of everything, you know, you get this script, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I had that great scene from the audition, but you know, once you get the script, and then you're like, "Holy crap, I'm in a lot of this," <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and you start going, "Oh my god, well, I, I guess I got to start learning," you know, and you're used to having time with stuff, and then of course you start experiencing, you know, rewrites and you know, uh, different mm-hmm. color pages, and you're like, "Oh my god, okay, there's more <laughs> stuff coming my way," <laughs> you know. So yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I, I so felt like they took Sean the time did. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. I, nothing, nothing. I just said I, I felt like they took the time when they needed to. Go ahead, Yael. Did, did, was there a read-through with the cast uh, before shooting began or not even that? No, that's funny. Um, I don't think we had a read-through for this one. I don't remember I don't remember us having a read-through uh, for this wow, one. We that, might that's have. crazy because you have we, a we lot might, of We might have, and I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember that we did. Other shows that I've done um, – I, I definitely did. When I did uh, when I did Mad Men, uh, we had a read through, and that was like everybody and their grandmother at the read, like all the AMC people, and I was like, "Oh my God!" For anyway, but yeah. When um, all right after you got the role, I mean, when did you finally get to meet like David Hasselhoff? Like, what was he like? Were you guys like chummy before you got into this? Like, how did it go? I think I just met him the first day of shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that was it. And and I try I've always tried to be um, I mean, I'm an actor, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In these kinds of situations. And I don't mean that in any kind of hoity toity, arrogant way. Just like, you know, this is my craft and as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, super famous. But at the end of the day, he's you know, he's another actor on the sure. set. So I just sure. try to be just as respectful as I would to anybody uh, as I was to him. And And he was, you know. Look, he's David Hasselhoff and he has, you know, and at that point he was at the height of so much stuff mm-hmm. and and he deserved it. I mean, he look, one of the things I learned about him on the set, uh, I think, hell, you had mentioned about his uh, his singing and he was very proud of his singing career. He he talked about that more than anything, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't aware that, you know, he was paramount in. The 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 real big success of Knight Rider was because of David Hasselhoff. You know, he he took that car and basically did a tour around the world and, you know, was doing shows and singing and all of this stuff. 
I mean, there he is right now, honking the horn. I mean, it's, <laughs> all right, that one's on me, everyone. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, but he he was such a big personality in in so many ways. But he did he loved he loved that he was uh, you know a singer. That was that I think that was a lot of his passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was you know super nice. Um, and like I said, I think there was a little trepidation from him, like that I was not exactly what he pictured. And you know. He had his hands in the show, like you know he yeah. he was he's a he co-creator. Was I believe producer. he's one of the executive mm-hmm. producers. I, uh, Steve, didn't he write a few episodes too, or co-write yeah. a few episodes, if yeah, I remember yeah. correctly? So yeah, yeah. So I mean, so I don't. I'm not surprised that if you know, as a co-creator, he's like, ah, oh, we got this great episode. And he's like, who's that guy? You know. <laughs> Yeah, were you know, but no, he was he was very nice. Were you a um like a Night Rider fan like prior to being on this show, or a Baywatch fan? Uh, I didn't watch a lot of Baywatch, but I did watch, you know, of course I grew up with Knight Rider. It was one of my favorite shows as a kid. Absolutely loved it. And, you know, Same. when, when, yeah, awesome. And, and when, you know, when you, in fact, um, the day we shot the scene and the sequence in the car, um, where we're you know, getting chased oh, and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. um, there was, uh, you know, there's a moment where we're around the corner sort of waiting for action on the, uh, on the walkie talkie and we're just kind of chatting and stuff. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I, you kind of have that moment where you look over and you're like, I'm in the car with Knight Rider. This is, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, awesome. this is really cool. Yeah. And he shared an interesting story. He said that one time they had a, uh, I, I don't know if it was on Baywatch or Baywatch Nights, but he said one time they had a guest star on the show and the guy was like, like David, it was like, I, I thought the guy just hated me. Like the guy just would not talk to me. He would not look at me. He just like had this edge about him. And he's like, and then finally he, it came out. He's like, I just, you know, you're, you're Knight Rider. <laughs> he, just, he, he just couldn't believe that he was hanging out with Knight Rider all day, you know? So, I mean, he has this effect on people. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear though that for the, that, you know, it sounds like David though was nice and uh, accommodating and that's good. That's good to hear. hundred percent. After the shoot, was he like, Hey kid, I was wrong about you. You did it. Like any, any <laughs> moment like that. Did he give I you mean, his leather Adidas jacket? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll say this. I, there was a recognition on the set um, by a couple of people that I was a young actor starting out and um, I was really blessed with having a few sort of champions on the set there were a couple of like people that some people in wardrobe too and like i don't know people just they they liked my work and i was really grateful to to hear that and so they would kind of chime in here and there talking to different people like oh maybe we should write another episode with him or i mean i mean some of these it was just talking you know whatever but Mm -hmm. but it was nice to have that support did did at the end, did, did David come up and be like, oh, you did? I mean, I think he's got so much on his sure. mind and on his plate. and He's doing stuff. Um, I will say this, and let me just quickly, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell the Donna D'Errico story. Oh, yes, please, please okay. do. So, um, again, being a young actor and, and you know, certain people kind of recognizing that this is a great opportunity for me. The day we were shooting uh, the stuff with Porter, sort of some of the end stuff, um, I think we were on that set for uh, on that location for a couple of days. And one of the days they had a press day. So on a press day, of course, lots of press there. They're doing little junkets and Q&As and whatever. Uh, this was around the time where they were – I think they were announcing that Donna DiErico was either going to be 
on the show or she was also going to be on Baywatch 2 or something. I don't know. There was some sort of yeah, big I, thing. I, I, yeah, I think it's the latter. Like she was going to start appearing on Baywatch, the, the regular show. I think that's what it was. And, you know, and of course, you know, beautiful gal, um, you know, and, and, you know, rightfully, this is like she's she's here to make all these announcements and whatever. And of course, David Hasselhoff is there doing his thing. And somebody pulls David Hasselhoff. I was one of the champions on, from the set, pulls him aside and says, look, man, you got to do something for this kid. You got to get these guys to see him and whatever. And I mean, I don't know what to do. I've never had this situation in my entire press. I don't even know. What do you mean? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> so there's all this press and. He basically walks me into this sort of lion's den circle. Donna D'Erico's there, or, or maybe they're waiting for her. I can't remember exactly what was happening. And he introduces me. He's like, hey, this is Sean Blodgett. He's going to be Jake on our newest episode of uh, Baywatch Nights. He's doing a great job, and, or whatever he said. And then, and then it was kind of like everybody like shifts their focus and looks at you. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I, didn't even, <laughs> I didn't really know what to do. I'm like, so great to be here. <laughs> And they all kind of wait like one more beat, like maybe out of respect. And then they're all right back to Donnie. Oh. <laughs> like, I just missed my opportunity that, for something. You should have just I been know. like, yeah. hey, nights are never going to be the same. Hey. <laughs> so I think we should explain because I know we talked about this the first time we covered Baywatch Nights. But the uh, the opening intro to Baywatch Nights, which is the best one of uh, just a great intro. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the show, uh, anyways, at the very end of it, a lot of it's like you know, like uh, David Hasselhoff slowly walking through a cemetery. A there's fog, fog you know, there, and then there's like, oh, here's a skull, <laughs> here's a wolf. You saxophone know, that's music I mean, blaring all... in the background. Yeah, 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 like like there's a cool little song playing. Anyways, yep. at the very end of it, David Hasselhoff walks into frame. There's close up, and then it's it, it's not he doesn't say it. It's like voiced Boys, over, yeah. but it's him going. Nights will never be the same, yeah. and yep. it's just, and it's so, it's so cheesy, but it works. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it really works. Like, I sorry, I, I just, I no, no, love it's, it's the intro. I never skip it, it when I watch these episodes. It's so fun. I mean, you know, honestly, nowadays with streaming, nowadays, boy, I really sound old. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, with streaming, you know, it most people are skipping opening sequences and stuff, mm -hmm. but. I feel like there's a lead into things, you know, and, and there's a sort of almost like a, an emotional preparation to something. You know, it's like watching a Star Wars movie and skipping the scroll, mm -hmm. right? It's like, yeah. you know, like like you need this preparation to be like, okay, where are we in the time? <laughs> you know, and the whole thing, like you kind of need this feeling to to get you into it. And I think that's I, I think that's what those those things were really good at doing back in the day. Right, right. Oh, yeah. It sets so, the tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, so uh, basically, um, you guys are in the hospital together, uh, and then Creepy Dad shows up and takes you away. Um, I don't know. He was awesome, right? I mean, he's great in that role. He's so great in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know, did anything... Yeah, and the, uh, the dad was played by, um, I should have mentioned it earlier, uh, Christopher Logan, I believe, is who played him. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, and, and at this point, I, I think the important thing we haven't mentioned is that uh, Mitch, aka David Hasselhoff, is able to hear Jake's thoughts, and Jake is scared yes. about his dad showing up. The lightning up strike and binded their minds together, or something. Like, did they give you a lot of like backstory or sort of like you know pseudoscience about how you worked as an alien? That's an interesting question. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and Steve, well, uh, I, 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 
we might have had a couple of chats about it, but you know, I feel like some of that is to me, uh, you know, the writers write stuff, and then and then I think as an actor, you you know, part of your job can be writing, at least for your character, you sure. know, to give yourself that, that extension of life, you know, what, what, what has happened before, you know, what came before this, what, what may come after this, you know, um, sort of filling in those little gaps. Um, you know, I mean, those are all the like techniques that I was trying to pull from, you know, old school acting. Have you seen the movie <laughs> Starman prior to playing this role? I feel like I did, but I it wasn't on my mind. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering if you pulled like inspiration from Jeff Bridges because he was an alien in that movie too. And then like I think later on, at some point in the '90s, they had that movie K-Pax, but I think that came on that came out after this. But uh, yeah, anyway, just curious. Um, yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I, I wish that we, you know, I think part of it too is is doing television. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't have as much time to delve into certain things and like i said i i do think they did a pretty good job of, of balancing that um but but you don't get a lot of of that kind of stuff gotcha gotcha yeah so you guys are having like a telepathic uh, conversation with one another yeah then uh, dad takes you home uh, i think the next thing that really stood out to me and unfortunately you're not in this scene sean uh is when that's okay um, is uh when David Hasselhoff or Mitch is really showing off his range here. And he's like, Oh, I'm so scared. And then he starts crying. I don't know. Well, it was, it was intercut with me. Remember I'm on the porch, right? right? Oh so, yeah. Because the people yeah, are yeah, showing yeah. up. I see, I see them coming home and that's what, you know, cause we have a telekinetic connection. Yeah. What did you guys think of, uh, of the Hoff showing off his chops here? Honestly, I it, look, there, there's some parts of the script where I would imagine it's got to be tough to like pull that off, right? Because the premise is it's pretty out there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm a fan of David Hasselhoff and his acting side. I, I honestly thought he did a pretty good job. And I, the, the way I, I looked at it too was he's not being scared the way David ha- Mitch, the adult, would be scared. He's being scared the way a 14-year-old or however old Jake was supposed to be would be right. scared. And I thought that that's what he was trying to get across, and I thought he did that well. I think you nailed it, Yehel. I think you nailed it. That's exactly 100% right. Yeah, and I did agree. I, I totally agree. I, I think he did a great job with it. I mean, I I actually think he gets a bad rap as an actor. Yeah. I think he's I, I think agree. he's a he's a great actor, you know? I mean, look, he, he got famous at a certain point for a certain type of, of, of role, but the truth is most celebrity style actors get famous for a specific type of role and if you really step back and look at it they spend the rest of their career playing that role yeah absolutely i mean that's you know and that's what happened to him yeah i mean i was just surprised that he would even allow it because you know like some tough guy actors don't want to be seen crying on screen so i mean you know i definitely applaud it as well um, well, I will say, having watched uh, I, more episodes of Baywatch Nights than you, Steve, uh, David Hasselhoff is willing to put himself in all kinds of weird situations and uh, act the hell out of yeah. it. Yeah. So, well, he uh, let himself really get manhandled at the end of the episode here. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, episode written by Michael Sloan. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, years later, I would work with a different Michael Sloan uh, on a feature film called Finding Home. Uh, that I worked as an associate editor on, and uh, and I had a small role in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, it was kind of odd. I'm like, hey, is that the same guy? No, that's not the same guy. So that's interesting, Just maybe just to me. Um, David Hagar, the director, I've mentioned him, uh, how great he was. Um, he was super kind to me. And even after the fact, um, you know, the episode um, – you know, I, I sent him like a like a gift basket thing, and and or, and he sent me this he sent me this huge gift basket. Like, great job! Can't wait to you know premiere the show, and and you know it was just it was amazing to be a part of something that felt so big at that moment. Um, and he was he was very aware of that, and 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 he was and we had some chats here and there post uh, doing the show, and uh, I always tried. Uh, one, one thing I found helpful when I was really pursuing on camera work, um, I, I, I liked doing thank you notes. I liked, um, mm. sending out postcards that were just thank you. And, but of course, if you book a role, sometimes you would send a gift or something like that. So of course you need to try to do that stuff. Uh, I think I sent out a, a ton of thank yous after Baywatch nights, like different people in the crew or whatever. Um, one, one person I owed an apology to was the, was the DP. Um, and because I was a young actor and I didn't realize the, the, the level of importance a DP is, uh, you know, there were some days that were a little stressful. I felt nervous and stressed. And, and I remember we had one little disagreement about something and I, I mean, the guy's brilliant. I mean, you know, the whole camera department's awesome. This guy did a great job. Just real quick. I apologize to him. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, you're a young actor, nervous, something there's like, there was like a miscommunication. He was trying to get me to do something and I understand. And so you get like defensive in the moment, you know, in a mm. way. And then later on, you're like an idiot. I'm such an idiot. When I do that, you know? And so anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he did a great job. I mean, um, I will say from from uh, from a shooting perspective, uh, the very last scene uh, where I disappear um, and all that stuff, I had to look into the lights. Oh um, wow! And it was and it was a 10k, and oh. and I remember my eyes kind of feeling like they're burning. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know, because you're like you know you they're like okay, turn your head real slow, and then like you know look, and and, and I was like oh god, and it was it was really 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 bright. <laughs> <laughs> and the ironic thing is like the last thing you say before the light uh, bathes you is you tell David Hasselhoff, you know, leave this area because the light will be too bright for you. <laughs> trust me. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, but, you but know, it's not too bright for me. Don't worry. I'm only energy. Doesn't matter. So. But you know what's funny is that when the light starts to like envelop you, and like you said, it is very bright. And um, Angie Harmon's character, uh, who's her character's name is Ryan, is looking on. Diamond Teague are looking on. They both kind of like turn their their eyes away because the light's so bright. But David Hasselhoff just looks straight ahead. He's so tough. It's, it doesn't phase him. That's right. <laughs> it is. It is true. He's like, nah. You know what? I'm gonna look anyway. I, look, I go swimming all the time. I know how to yeah, do. This. Yeah. 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 yeah, I've been wearing this other jacket in hundred degree heat the whole episode. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I guess we should just very quickly let everybody know what what does happen in the episode, or very briefly. So basically, yeah, um, there's like like your family turns out to not really be your family, at least not in the sense of like a human family. Um, you guys are you know aliens or or what have you, and basically they're upset that you've attracted too much attention to yourself with what happened at the beach. And then they decide to kill you, and they're chasing you. And the main person going after you is this guy Porter mm. that we've mentioned a few times. And we see that Porter has powers; he can make things explode. You know that he's uh, bad it, it, because he's bald and wears all black. That's right. 
uh, and it's funny his powers he can make like anything explode but you know he never like uh really does anything that could kill you, oh, you know? yeah. so it's very uh yeah. you got a little bit of plot armor on jake but uh um, <laughs> confrontation well you but... know it doesn't work on well, you know because we're aliens doesn't work on each other mm-hmm. they gotta they- yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's the thing. That's, the right, that's the thing. Well, I yeah. mean, at You're right. the end... I, I apologize for my stupidity, Sean. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end, when the final confrontation, I'm getting ahead of myself here, between Porter and David Hasselhoff is great because all the stuff's exploding up around David Hasselhoff. And, uh, oh, there's a great line where um, you're like, don't go after him. He's really resourceful. And David Hasselhoff's all... I can be resourceful too. And then he picks up a giant wrench to go after the alien that has, you know, telepathy powers, like electric powers and who knows what else. And, uh, and I also like how when the Porter turns his attention to you, he's like, Hey Porter, I'm the one you want. I'm like, no, no, I believe Jake is the one that he wants. <laughs> I do believe but, that's but, probably the biggest hole in the script. <laughs> but I will say Hasselhoff like does um, kind of explain it after he says, I'm the one you want. Cause, cause then he says, I can expose you. And you, you know, he's basically saying, Hey, I'm, I'm your worst nightmare because you're going to get even more attention yeah. if you yeah. don't take me out. But he should have said that first <laughs> before I'm the one you want. Right. Right. But For those uh, of you listening out there, this is the brilliance of your hell right now. <laughs> That's brilliant. The the dissection of that was brilliant. Again, this is not my first time watching this, is, this episode. This is what we do here at Obscurity Now. But yeah, to I, but uh, there's some cool scenes where like Porter, you, you, you know, because you, you and David Hasselhoff, uh, he telepathically links to you. He finds out where you are because you're literally running down the street trying to get away from these people that are trying to kill you. Mm. He finds you. You guys get in a car together. You run some more. Then you need another car. And he's like, oh, but I got to find a some junker that runs. You go and you touch some 1970s cutlass or something. Two fingers. And you get it to start running mm-hmm. with your powers. So we see you've got powers. Martin. David Hasselhoff, he goes along with it. This is Baywatch Nights. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, Nights will never be the same. I also like the, yeah, um, eventually... the phone booth scene where uh, oh, yeah. you also <laughs> have the ability. Which we would never have now because nobody has a phone, what, phone booth. What is that? You yeah. have not only the ability to fix the phone. But then also to just uh, make a call illegally. He goes, he goes, well, impressive. Do you have a quarter? And then, bam, the old two fingers, bam, free call. 1-800-COLLECT yeah, right there. By the way, the fixing of the phone cord, I, if memory serves, I'm pretty sure that was just like uh, someone from the art department smoking a cigarette and then blowing the smoke in a tube that this, you know, because there's smoke that comes out, mm, like that's how healthy, they did the healthy. smoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so, so, so yeah, so so the cord is basically like frayed. It's like cut and frayed right. for those that haven't had the pleasure of watching the episode, and the phone doesn't work. And yeah, you put your hand over the frayed yeah. portion, and yes, yeah, smoke appears to come out from your hand but you're right because it's only showing like three quarters of your hand like a portion of your hand is like out of frame i think yeah so yeah i guess we're just blowing it through that's uh, jake i mean jake, hey it works can you help me steal cable please <laughs> i really want the premium stations <laughs> so yeah they yeah so they never really explain exactly how their powers work or anything like that as we discussed they do oh, how, what are you talking what do you mean about they do how so as Jake character well, explains energy. that there's an energy source. Oh, an energy source. And okay. David Hasselhoff goes, of course, the electric, the lightning, it's got to be electricity. Uh, what is strange, though, then, is that, like, he takes out Porter by just electrocuting him, basically. Dousing um, him in water. With, you, yeah. with your assistance, Sean, very kind of yeah. you to help. 
well, you know, um I so you would think that would yeah, very kind. Of, I, you would think that would make Porter more powerful, but it takes him out. Mm-hmm. It almost takes you out because you're in a puddle of water as, as well. David Hasselhoff's fine, I guess, because he's a lifeguard. He's immune. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. Uh, oh, by the way, that was my that was another first for me. My first time wearing a squib. Oh, nice. Um, I had never. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, your chest explodes. Something chest explodes, explodes out of it. And that's a weird. That's a weird experience because they're like, yeah, it's like a little explosive, and we're just gonna put it on and. You'll be fine. And, and like literally it's like this cable that goes, you know, they put the explosive on and they they put this cable down your pants. And then there's somebody off camera who, you know, does, it's almost like, OK, you know, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's that's literally what it is. And uh, I remember being like, OK, I guess this is fine. I mean, they put it right over my heart and I was like. Okay, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they do this all the time, so you know, I'm sure I'm fine. <laughs> that's scary. Know? I'm sure that's scary. You know, obviously it was safe. You're fine. Yeah, but uh, that, that that's still gonna be scary your first time doing that. It was, it was, I, it was scary. It was scary, but but it was, to be honest, I think it added to the tension of the scene. You know, sure. all of that kind of reality. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, let's do it, and then you know, it's it's. So this, so, uh, so yeah, this climax that we're talking about takes place in this massive sort of like abandoned warehouse kind of thing. Do you remember like where that was or what ex- exactly that place is? We shot most of um, that episode over in like Hermosa Beach area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was some kind of, I don't know, abandoned hangars and all kinds. I mean, there, it was it, nothing was happening there. Uh, it was. It was. I don't know if it was government property that wasn't being used. David Hasselhoff's or... guest house. Yeah. <laughs> it was his guest house. His yeah. guest he did have like one of those beds. With the, yeah. Do I make you Randy, baby? It was, it was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets the ladies um, quite like an abandoned hangar. At least so I've been told. Yeah. That's. Yeah. So uh, Jake, Jake is injured after the uh, the squib goes off, but David Hasselhoff says, "Hey, I got somebody that can help you out. I know a shady guy in the government. Gives him a call." And then you end up in a uh, kind of little uh, holding area on a bed. Um, and uh, that's when you're like, so this was to me the one major plot hole. Because throughout the episode, you know, they're saying basically you guys crash landed here and you were trying to eventually get back to your home planet or whatever. But you're able to just go decide, hey, I got to get out of here. I'm going to go back home. So it seems like you could have left at any point And presumably the other aliens could have as well. But. Uh, but then we wouldn't have a story, right? Uh, if if uh, you guys had left earlier, but but yeah, you end up telling David, "Hey, get out of here. This is gonna be too bright for you." You thank him for his service. Uh, <laughs> he walks away, but says, "I'm gonna look because I'm David Hasselhoff." And yeah, you disappear, and uh, or you turn into energy. So you leave, uh, presumably to uh, be repaired by your home people, and that's kind of the end of the episode. Um, there's a little so, bit of an epilogue, but well, I will. Want, I do want to say so. My take on that was not was that I was lying. Um, mm. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't able to get home. That, that was never, that, I, that was really just his, you know, me, me trying to like make self-sacrificing sure he was, in, in a sense, like making sure he's okay. Right. And which he tried and, to do Jake, the character tried to do a couple times cause he didn't want to see David, uh, Mitch get hurt. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, he's a good sense. person. I think, you know, he's innocent. He's, yeah. he's just, you know, he's, I think he's good. Um, and, and my interpretation was that, that, that essentially he's turning into energy. Um, right. Isn't, doesn't Mitch that, even that he's not necessarily going home And my interpretation of home was like death, right, you know, right. like mm-hmm. form of death, but basically the energy stays long enough to save this 
final goodbye. Yeah, doesn't then, yeah. doesn't Mitch even say so that that, that, was my um, that yeah he knew he was dying and so that's why you decided to leave at the end and like not at the very beginning because of the because of what happened yeah. in the water. Yeah, M Mitch says that. Yeah. 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 Well, I take it back. This is a perfect episode. <laughs> but uh, I, well, known I do, I do like when uh, Mitch looks off into the stars at the very end, and there's a, a shooting star. I would have liked it mm. even better if it was like, uh, you know, Mufasa ghost face, like your face appeared in the <laughs> in the stars, <laughs> like smiling down on Mitch, or one better, Force Ghost Jake, like just you know, oh my god, just throwing it out there. That would have been crazy. <laughs> That would have been so for great. the remake. I would have loved that too. <laughs> oh my god, would have been so great. I, I will say, I, I back when you guys first meet, and and then when you're running around in the um, in that warehouse thing we were talking about, you guys have a pretty uh, awesome dynamic. It's very Burt Ward, Adam West. Has anyone ever said you've got, mm. got like a Burt Ward kind of vibe about you? At least in the episode. No, but I love that. I loved I look, I was a Robin fan more than Batman. I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I loved Robin. I mean, of course, now I like Batman more, but, right. but when I was a kid, I don't know. Something about Robin was, I don't know. And I he, he was like the innocent sidekick. It's like, oh, let's go do it. Yeah, and I was like, man, like <laughs> did, are they ever gonna have Sean come back? Because like you guys had such an awesome dynamic. I just felt like it would have worked again in like another episode, but unfortunately that mm. I guess that wasn't the case. Actually, it's interesting you say that. I, I think that's something that came up. Not so much the me coming back for another episode, but but there some of the the folks who were on the set who were sort of champions of mine, which were so great, um kind of mentioned that like me working with David Hasselhoff, I don't know, I guess sort of had a positive influence on the the episode, like his his work in the episode. Like yeah. I, I don't want to say that I don't want to take any credit for his work. He's awesome. But but I mean, you know, I think I and I think it's just because I was just looking at it like any other acting thing I'd ever done, you know, like, okay, what, what's my objective? What, you know, what do I want out of this scene? What am I trying to achieve? Yeah. What's just happened? What's my relationship? You know, I mean, all of these kinds of general acting questions we, we ask ourselves in like scene study class or whatever. I'm like, you know, I was just trying to pull from technique because I was probably cause I was scared, really scared to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me just double down on technique. Cause that's all I got right mm -hmm. now. But I, but, but thanks for actually mentioning that because I think, I, I think some other folks there saw that too. Um, but of course, you know, it's, it's a one-off. So, um, and interestingly yeah. enough, years later, um, I was doing some comedy murder mystery stuff with some other, uh, actors. And, uh, I, I realized that quite a few people during that time period had guest starred on Baywatch nights. Like I knew like different people like had done different episodes. Nice. Like, wow, I guess people kind of did the rounds on this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> very, very nice. Um, yeah. And, and I bet he, cause you know, all, the, the concept and the script, you know, in the wrong actor's hand, it's easy for it to become this super cheesy thing that doesn't get taken seriously by the actors. And you can tell that you and Hasselhoff, I mean, really everybody on the cast, like, took the work seriously. You know, and they, they treated it seriously, and it helps to elevate uh, what could be a story that in, you know, maybe an actor that, like, scoffs at the material, maybe because they're not a fan of science fiction or, or whatever, you know, and doesn't doesn't put in the work, like you said, doesn't think about the character's motivations and that kind of thing. Right. So I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he did appreciate that, because I, I know season one of Baywatch Nights, which I've only watched like a couple episodes, it's not, it doesn't have like the X-Files-ish uh, 
horror and sci-fi elements. You know, it was more of a straight up, oh, there's a murder mystery this episode or some kind of thing they got to solve, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I bet he really appreciated it because it was, it's that there's definitely like a tonal shift from season one to, uh, season two and yeah, could, yeah. could have, uh, it could have really gone poorly. I mean, what's, <laughs> um, I, I agree. And, and, you know, what's interesting too is, um, the, I will say this, the aftermath of doing it, you know, this is of course, back in the day, you do something, you shoot something and then you don't get to see it until it's out and you and you don't get you know there's no copy that you they just hand you right like you gotta get an air check and the whole nine yards and all the stuff um i you know like i said it was a big deal for me um i was surprised at the amount of people that i knew who kind of uh sloughed it off like oh that's just that show and i was like wow okay yeah, unfortunately um, if, if yeah. i remember correct back in the 90s uh baywatch nights was kind of uh looked down upon uh i remember there's yeah. even a i mentioned it in our previous episode there was a joke about it in that gina davis movie uh, the long kiss good night i'm like wow even oh my god are you kidding yeah, me <laughs> I'm like even I'm like even the movies are ragging on baywatch nights uh wow it, you know, it's out of jealousy, Steve. Yeah, it They're was. Jealous. Well, I was going to say, just from yeah. what Yahel said, I mean, the reason why we like Baywatch Nights so much is because it is a ridiculous premise that everyone takes seriously, and that's why it works for us. I agree. I mean, I, I 100%. Yeah. yeah, every once in a while, you know, they... they they, you know, you, you can tell, especially with Mitch's character, there's a little bit of a wink at, wink at the audience, you know, like at the silliness of it all but you know like like the performances are always i, I don't know they're, they're very earnest i guess is the way I, I would say you know you don't feel like you're watching someone go through the motions for this you know silly plot or whatever or out there idea uh, it helps that i'm a big sci-fi fan but um yeah i, I love Baywatch nights i i think it's very underrated um well, thank is you. there uh, <laughs> anything else about the episode that anyone would like to mention yeah, or Sean, I know you had a lot of notes, and uh, I, I want to make sure we get to all of the stuff that you went through the trouble of writing down. If there was anything that uh, you, you know, actually, in our chat, I think we've covered. All, I think we've covered all of them. Let me just double check. Uh, yeah, I, I think we really pretty much covered the majority of everything that I that I had written down. So you, that's how great you guys are. There you Aww, go. <laughs> you're you're too kind. Uh, what are you What are you up to these days? I know you have a podcast of your own or something like that. Well, I just finished up Countdown to Five, which is a podcast that we, my, my friend Paul Preston from Digital Mind Productions uh, and myself came up with to get everybody ready for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm -hmm. So we revisited all of the Indiana Jones films and, you know, kind of shared our thoughts. We, we like to do a deep dive on like stats and like what happened to the production, you know, going to like behind the scenes, you know, little known stories. And of course, yuck it up with a bunch of jokes and being complete, you know, idiots. Sounds very uh, familiar. <laughs> So, only with way more, uh, uh, only with way more research than what we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we did. Um, so we had done a show. Uh, so Paul runs a, a, a show called The Movie Guys. He has a website mm -hmm. called TheMovieGuys.net, and he's awesome. He does all this stuff with movies. Uh, and before The Rise of Skywalker came out, I had pitched him an idea of of doing uh, a podcast to get ready for Rise of Skywalker because I'm such a huge Star Wars fan. And uh, and so it was called Countdown to Nine, and that's how that started. And actually, when we did that, we had a few guests on that. Um, we had uh, the guy who was the stand-in for Hayden Christensen uh, for Darth uh -huh. Vader. 
and um, we had uh, – oh, I forgot her name. I just blinked on her name. But she was one of the Jedi in Attack of the Clones uh, in the big Geonosis battle scene and stuff like that. And so you know, we had a few guests that were involved in the, the Star Wars universe. So it was really, really fun. And then so, of course, we did, uh, we did Countdown to 5, Getting Ready for Indiana Jones 5 which was was awesome. And on top of it, we also um, I so I want to change some things for that one. So instead of just doing we used to do these like retellings and you know make jokes about like what the storyline whatever. Um, so I was like, what if Indiana Jones does the retelling of his own stories? Like it's Indiana Jones oh. diaries. <laughs> like mm. well, a buddy of mine, Justin T. Bowler, who played Indiana Jones at Disneyland uh, and is a huge Indiana Jones fan was kind enough to come in and um, be Indiana Jones. We went and oh, shot nice. some stuff and I oh, shot some cool. screen stuff and it was, it was, it was a blast. It, it ended up being a heck of a lot more work than I, uh, I, <laughs> I had actually anticipated cause you know, we're all just doing this for fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's the latest thing. Uh, and then my, my uh, multimedia production company, creative motion entertainment, um, you know, I'm still working on a bunch of projects with that. In fact, one of the things I'm in uh, in the process of, I'm working with uh, a woman named Dale Griffith Stamos, and uh, I'm going to be working on her first feature film. We've done a couple of uh, short films together, and so I'm co- I'm a consultant consulting producer on the film, and I'm going to be DPing and editing that piece as well. Um, and so we're we're in the midst of getting that ready and and all of that so it's an independent film but you know trying to raise money and all of this stuff so we're doing that and uh you know do some trade shows here and there and um i'm, I'm on the lookout for some other some other acting outlets here and there so oh, we all <laughs> um yeah oh yeah so that's sounds that, like you're staying pretty busy and of course you know being a parent yeah. that's <laughs> very very busy. oh yeah yeah <laughs> i was gonna say the I, I don't know if you told sean about the last segment that we do where we basically decide if you know whatever media we're covering <laughs> Shoot, if it should be i almost completely rip- forgot it all right let me uh let me run the bumper yeah so um so yeah what we do is at the end of uh, every episode we decide if whatever we're watching should be uh remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black void of obscurity never to be heard <laughs> from again so uh let me uh, run a bumper, and then we'll officially answer those questions. All right, so we'll start with uh, Sean here. All right, Mr. Blodgett, a.k.a. Jake yes, the Alien. Do you think that your exemplary work in uh, Baywatch Nights <laughs> Season 2, Episode 4, The Strike, should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black void of obscurity never to be heard from again? I, I would like it to be remembered for sure. Uh, I think I think there's enough there to to enjoy, whether you you know are kind of laughing at it or laughing with it or just enjoying it unfold. I, I, also, I also think it's a bit of a time capsule of mm. what was happening in media during that time, like I said earlier in the episode, like, you know, so much focus on X-Files. I mean, actually, during that time, I, I had a, a, a writing partner and we wrote a, a spec script for X-Files. Nice. Like, that's how, like, everybody was into X-Files mm-hmm. at that point. So the fact that, that you know, the folks over at Baywatch were like, hey, we should do uh, kind of an X-Files Baywatch. Yeah, of course <laughs> you should, you know. So I, 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 I think it's a it's a little bit of a time capsule. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. funny, it's silly, but uh, but I also think it has some merit in terms of 
what it was for the time and you know certainly on a personal level what what it meant all right i'll go next uh i mean i will i've never seen an episode of baywatch nights that i wouldn't remember so uh of course it'll be remembered for me i mean i really enjoyed this one the the first time i watched it and enjoyed it uh even more the second time then i'd get to talk to you and ask you some questions so yeah i i really like this one um it, it goes by quick which um you know is I mean, I, I've pretty much had that experience with all Baywatch Nights episodes, but it keeps moving. Um, the the characters, you know, they're, they're well-developed. Um, e- even though it's just, like, a one-off appearance for your character, we learn about the motivations. Like you said earlier, you know, you learn that this is a good guy at, at heart and is looking out for others first before uh, even himself. So, yeah, anyways, for me, it's a very uh, positive thumbs up and to be remembered. Yeah, I loved uh, the dynamic between you and Hasselhoff. Uh, this one, I feel like, was more competently written than the previous episode we watched, which was like episode two, The Beast, where like half of the episode was like David Hasselhoff wandering around in the back room of a bar because they were just sort of like <laughs> killing time or something because I don't think they really had much of a script for that one, but I still like that one. So, uh, yeah, this one was, uh, I think, a better script. Uh, the pacing was it was so fast i was like never bored and i loved like the cinematography there was a lot of like you know dutch angles and a lot the, a lot of tracking mm-hmm. shots of you sean where you're standing there looking freaked out and they're zooming in and panning out at the same time i always love those shots yeah i think people call it the hitchcock shot sometimes so um of course yeah. it is a remembered for me so here's the remembered bu- bumper so well i believe that's our uh, episode uh sean thanks so much for joining us i really can't thank you enough um is there anything else you'd like to say before we throw you back to where did you say you live now again mission vejo a mission yeah. mission viejo california yeah i do have one final thing i wanted to say before we go i think it's appropriate that this episode is called the strike because mm. SAG after of course is having is in the middle of a strike of course with the WGA as well by the uh, you know by their side they're by each other's side and I just wanted to quickly mention about the strike you know if you're out there um, please support the actors and the writers during this time um, and if you literally if you are someone of means and you literally want to support actors uh, during the strike uh, you can go to the SAG AFTRA Foundation at SAGAFTRA.foundation and you can donate there. Um, to, you know, help actors who are struggling. Um, I'm blessed with, you know, doing other work uh, outside of acting uh, that's, you know, so creative and, and I love, but uh, I know not everybody has that situation. So there are some people out there that are struggling. So please support uh, the SAG after a strike and the WGA strike. And, and if you can if you can donate, that'd be great. And if not, just keep posting and supporting. That'd be awesome. And on on the note about our episode here today, Stephen, Yehel, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm so grateful that somebody even cared <laughs> to talk about this. Um, it's it's really such an honor, and it's it's really exciting. So thank you so much for inviting oh, no. me to play. And I've added the uh, the link to donate to uh, SAG-AFTRA in the ch- live chat, and I'm sure we'll add it to the uh, show notes as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, it is in the In uh, addition to all chat. the stuff you're working on, for sure. 
Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate all it. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back uh, next Sunday with another episode of something. Uh, oh, actually, it'll be a. It'll be a <laughs> I mean, we we actually do have something lined up, but I have to double check with you. Hell first. I'll be at a uh, Long Beach uh, Comic Con uh, next weekend. So if you want a sticker, uh, come by and say hello. And of course, buy copies of Escape to Earth number one and two which I'm going to run a promo for before we sign off here. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like, and share, and we'll see you next Sunday as we continue to unearth even more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. We'll see you next time.